Toronto Raptors come to Oakland, California for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. They'll get to see a lot of homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Toronto, but... A lot of bums and crazy people and weirdos and cities, counties, trying to figure out what the heck to do about it. San Francisco has a plan for expanding the forced treatment of the mentally ill. That's worth uh, delving into a little bit later on in the show. Forced treatment of mentally ill. That's a tough one. Oh, it's one of the toughest uh, topics you can have in a, a free society. When do you deny people their freedom? If they're troubled, tough line to cross. Uh, and and crazy people are definitely, uh, and I say that with no disrespect, are definitely part of the West Coast bum explosion. But we've always been saying, let's figure out how much of a part. What are we dealing with? One size does not fit all in this problem. And um, there's, a, there's this piece in the California Globe, which is a publication I really wasn't familiar with, but it's a, a fabulous, long, detailed, carefully researched piece about the homeless industrial complex. And it begins with long descriptions of the tens of thousands of people living in tents in Los Angeles, for instance. Rats have taken over the city. Multiple rodent-borne, flea-borne illnesses. Plague, typhus, lice, louse-borne illnesses. Measles, tuberculosis, typhus, hepatitis, shigella. Uh, a communicable form of diarrhea is now running nah. rampant. Trench fever, whatever that Trench is. Trench fever. As reported by the Atlantic earlier this year, medieval diseases are infecting uh, California's homeless. Well, you hate to get trench fever from a rat in the year 2019. There are probably 130,000 or more uh, homeless people, bums, whatever, in, in California living on sidewalks, parks, parking lots, vacant lots, no sanitation or trash collection. And and they in this piece they describe the enormous amount of money being thrown around in L.A. Voters approved this is in 2016 measure Triple H allocated 1.2 billion dollars in bonds to build 10,000 housing units to house the homeless. Since then, L.A. voters approved a quarter cent sales tax increase, and uh, and they've housed hundreds of people with their billions of dollars. Every major city in California is spending tens of millions or more on homeless. Most of the money is being wasted. Why? Because the homeless industrial complex is getting filthy rich, wasting the money while the homeless population swells. And they talk about the enormous price tag per unit of these building projects. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because if your intentions are good and it seems noble, nobody asks any questions. Because to be skeptical of these programs is to be a bad person. If the program is good and has good intentions, then by definition, anybody against it is a bad person when you get to these, you know, these feel-good programs. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to be inside one of these things, because even in business, you have to work really hard to not waste money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to work hard at it, and you've got every, you and all your employees have great reason to not want to waste money, and it's still hard. If you have no push factors against wasting money, which you don't in these things. Right. Imagine how much money gets wasted. Yeah, it's tremendous and stolen. Venice Beach, 1,000 homeless or so. They've taken over virtually every public ben- venue, including the famous beach. Um, and there's the, uh, the tents or pop-up drug retailers, brothels. To get these folks off the streets and off the beach, a 154 shelter, a bed shelter, 154 beds has been approved by the city council. 
It'll be a wet shelter. Druggies and drunkards are welcome. The estimated cost for the shelter is so far is $8 million, which is over $50,000 per bed. And nobody asks why. Um, there's, you know, $8 million to put up some large tents and plumb for bathrooms and kitchens. Human nature would be if you make a shelter for homeless and it costs $50,000 per bed and somebody gets that money, construction companies, you know, all kinds of different companies, uh, plumbers, people who sell beds, who everything, they're all mm-hmm. making money off of it. Right. If, if you, if, if nobody says $50,000 per bed, how would you not think next time around, might as well make it $60,000 per Let's bed. try it. What, well, why not? For instance, back to measure Triple H told that the new permanent supporting housing, permanent supportive housing would cost about $140,000 a unit. The taxpayers were are now uh, finding out that the average unit per cost is going to be uh, cost per unit. I'm sorry, this is w- worded strangely. I'm trying to translate on the fly, but it's now up to $440,000. Per unit, Whoa. not a hundred and forty, which is extraordinary, but four hundred and forty thousand dollars per unit. A privately funded development company, Flyaway Homes, has de- debuted in Los Angeles with the mission of rapidly providing housing for the homeless. Because people with good hearts are willing to throw money at this problem, and then people just waste it. Here's another complex that's going to be two hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars per two-bedroom apartment. Uh, let's see. Here's another complex, $450,000 per apartment, utterly unsustainable. Now, and, and, then, and it's really good, and we'll have a link so you can find it at armstrongandgetty.com, but then they get to um, uh, solutions, which will gladden your heart. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. And then how much of a solution is this anyway, these various places that people get to stay, in terms of them not con- either staying there the rest of their lives or just going back to being homeless? So here's the prescription. And in the the final the summary I like of the problem section, money is squandered and the population of homeless people multiplies. This is not compassion in action; rather, it's corruption in action. Here's the way. Here's the way to rein in the homeless industrial complex. Number one: acknowledge there's a problem. Agree that it's no longer acceptable to throw money at the homeless epidemic without questioning all of the current proposals and the underlying premises. Billions of dollars are being wasted. Admit it. Two, recognize that a special interest, the homeless industrial complex, comprised of developers, government bureaucrats, and activist nonprofits, have taken over the homeless agenda and turned it into a profit center. They're not going to solve the problem. They're going to milk it. I've mentioned this before. Growing up in Chicagoland, I became aware of uh, how the nonprofits and the charity organizations were utterly corrupt. There were zillions of dollars were pouring through them, and their only job, their only real job, was making sure everybody showed up to vote Democrat every uh, election cycle in the city of Chicago. It's a giant scam. Um, their PR firms will sell compl- the, the compliant media. A feel-good story about someone who turned their life around, living in a fine new apartment. What they won't tell you is that because of the $400,000 they charged to build that single apartment unit, dozens, if not hundreds of people, are still on the street with nothing. Number three, act at the municipal and state level to set a limit on the cost per shelter bed. This cost must represent a compromise between ideal facilities for homeless people and what is affordable at a scale sufficient to solve the problem. There's no reason the capital cost for a shelter bed should be $50,000 each. But that's exactly what's been proposed in some of the cities we talked about. Or over $400,000 in Los Angeles, but that's what they cost. It's outrageous. This is good. 
Four, stop differentiating between bridge housing, which is basic shelter, and permanent supportive housing. Permanent supportive housing is bridge housing. Amenities better than a durable, dry, sole occupancy tent and a porta potty can belong exclusively in the realm of privately funded nonprofits and charities. Until there isn't a single homeless person left on the street, not one penny of taxpayer money should be paying for anything beyond basic bridge housing. Number five, accepted homeless shelters will be more cost-effectively constructed and operated. Oh, they talk about where they ought to be. That's kind of, that's an interesting topic, but um, kind of off the uh, off the beaten path. Uh, go to court, challenge the decision in Jones versus the city of Los Angeles that ruled law enforcement and city officials can no longer enforce the ban on sleeping on sidewalks anywhere within the L.A. city limits until a sufficient amount of permanent supportive housing could be built. That's an insane ruling, going back to what we were just saying earlier, that you can find a judge to say about anything, including something idiotic. Uh, file a state ballot referendum to overturn Prop 47 in California, which downgraded drug and property crimes. The cops are beside themselves. They can't arrest people for crimes anymore. And this is, these two are the key. These are what you memorize. And I'm going to do number 10 first, then number 9. Confront the fact that a lot of homeless people are homeless by choice, not because they've run out of options, but they don't want help. Act accordingly. Do we give these people control over our public spaces, our neighborhoods, our parks and beaches? And what of the others, the mentally ill, the substance abusers, the criminals? Do we give them control over our public spaces? And really, that flows from number nine. Recognize that the rights of the homeless must be balanced with the rights of citizens, local residents. And that homeless accommodation should be safe, but should never be better than the cheapest unit of commercial housing. And again, who has control over the public spaces? The citizens and taxpayers or the junkies that's, that's and the, the bombs. The very thing I brought up when I spoke at a city council meeting. Who is the park mostly for? Who gets the priority here? Currently, where I live, uh, the priority went to the homeless. So the taxpayers that paid millions of dollars for this park don't get to use the park. And listen, we, you know... We're heard in way too many cities and towns to do this, but I would love to... Rally folks semi-regularly. Maybe you can form an organization like the Tea Party Movement in your town or your county. Keep track of when the city council meeting is going to be. And if you show up with 10 people who do the two minutes or whatever your town or county allows to speak about, these are our spaces. They can't be controlled by bums and junkies. If you have 10 people, that'll make a huge impression. If you have 20 or 30 It'll be like you, you, I don't know, like you declared a war. It'll be incredibly effective. So form that organization. What should they be called? We need People need a hook. The town is for the citizens, or I don't know. Work on your groovy name. I, we need a groovy name. You don't want to do up top of your head. All right. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Email us. What should these organizations be called? I like the idea of a good, effective, persuasive name because words matter. The people who are homeless by choice, the the, the junkies and the crooks and, and the bums. I'm not talking about mentally ill people. or or Although, do we give bums and junkies control over our public spaces? 
or do the taxpayers have that control? That's the question. Anyway, absolutely. Good luck. Go get it, because if you don't, nobody will. Humans opposing outward kooks. Hook. We need a hook. <laughs> we got it. How about, you know, uh, what's a B word that works? I mean, if it's spelled out bums or junkies is too long, but work on it. Let us know. Do you have an idea? Armstrong, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Do you want or your... you can text us, 415-295-KFTC. Do you want your living room to look just like The Simpsons Living Room or The Brady Bunch or any other popular TV show? Ikea will make that happen. I'll pretend that I do just to support the premise. Among but, uh, other things on the way <laughs> on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. CNN hosted town halls with Democratic presidential candidates Eric Swalwell, Tim Ryan, and Seth Moulton. Yes, all, all three candidates were asked the, uh, the same question, who the hell are you? Swalwell, Swalwell. I watched the entire town hall with Mayor Pete yesterday with Chris Matthews on Hardball. Mayor Pete is far and away the best political animal in the field. It's just not even close. He's so much better at that. He's no Kirsten Gillibrand. It's like when I go to my son's soccer practice. Zero percent. It's like when I go to my son's soccer practice and the one kid just stands out. is so much better than everybody else. That's yeah. the way Mayor Pete is. Yeah. Against some of these idiots and their idiotic answers. And you can see their minds crunching various answers. And what struggling. did my consultant tell me to say <laughs> about this? Anyway. Um, we're a long way off. 518 days until the election. Although we're just a couple of weeks away from the first debate. Ikea came up with an interesting idea. They're going to recreate some of the famous living rooms from television. There's only three that they mention here, so I don't know if there's only three, but the three that I've seen, the pictures are pretty cool. Um, this is the friend, uh, the Simpsons living room. That's what it will look like. You can get everything that the Simpsons oh, huh. living room has. That's funny. The couch, the crooked sailboat picture, the lamp, the the, the purple end table, the green phone, just everything. The funky uh, throw rug. That was a nice touch. If I were... Me, as a, like, 28-year-old, I would so do that in my apartment. Just, why not? Uh, this is the Friends living room from the television show Friends. Just looks exactly like where wow, the show took amazing. place. It is amazing. They, they got, got the, everything, the purple walls help. <laughs> everything you can buy as a package. And then the TV show Stranger Things, which I don't actually know, but you can do that also. So. Yeah, I tried to get into that. If that's your thing, do that. That'd be my <laughs> recommendation. Recommendation. Uh, That's later your thing, this, do that thing. Uh, later this hour, we'll uh, play you Elizabeth Palmer of CBS News in Tiananmen Square asking young people about the massacre 30 years ago today and what they know about it, and that's pretty interesting. Carrying around a picture, showing people the picture of Tiananmen Square, saying, do you know what this is? That's a dangerous game she's playing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And how, how w- would they know what it is? Because the government has gone out of its way to make sure you can't know what it is. The fact that they've been... 
that effective is astounding. It is. I mean, you can try to keep something out of circulation, but it's very difficult to do, especially today. Well, I was just reading in the New York Times how for weeks they have been rounding up either people that were involved in it back 30 years ago, parents of people who were involved in it, any activists who've written anything about it, they're all either uh, in jail or under house arrest. They can't be out and about causing any trouble. Mm-hmm. What if what you know? What if a hundred of them gathered together in Tiananmen Square? Can't have that. And with as we talked about earlier, with their modern technology, they can make that happen. They can keep people from ever ever gathering again, which is really troubling. God, if the world ever comes under that sort of sort of totalitarian leadership, it could never get out. Humanity, and given the technical capabilities yeah. of today, with the modern weapons and technical capabilities, you could never get out. Right. Well, and there are multiple candidates in the uh, American uh, presidential race that want very much to just exert just enough control to bring a utopia, which always ends in horror. Um, and I've got this. I don't really have time to get into it right now. The f- the fifty most amazing moments of the last one hundred years. Uh, <clears throat> compiled by adults from, not from the United States, which makes the list a little more interesting. Hmm. It's not U.S.-centric. All right. What's number one, though? I think number one was pretty interesting, as the right way the rest of the world looks at it. The uh, last century? Uh, I'd reckon the moon landing. Yeah, that finishes fifth. What? When you ask other countries. End of World War II is number one. Oh, that's a good oh, Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I mean, the, the moon thing was astounding and achievement and wonderful and breathtaking. The and all, but moon thing. If, if tens of millions of people are dying, then that stops. Yeah, that would stand out. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we've got Trump and Theresa May's press conference filled with mutual admiration. Congress launching a major crackdown on social media and an update on those genetically enhanced Chinese babies. Oh, on the way next. Armstrong and Getty. Thing you wouldn't understand. Um, uh, so some people are claiming that the uh, there was a bad call at the end of the uh, Warriors game the other night. I call it the Warriors game because I'm rooting for America. Um, <laughs> was there bad calls every minute and a half in basketball in the NBA? It's ungovernable. Very ending play where Steph almost threw it away. They're saying that should have been a foul when what's his name grabbed the ball. Sounds like more Canadian whining to me. <laughs> <laughs> America's hat. Moose riding. Right. Mountie kissing. Drake listening. <laughs> Molson swigging. Oh, while I brought it up, I don't want to kill too much time on this. I got to find one more thing on there if I can come up with it quickly. Did you see how Clay Thompson was responding to the whole Drake thing? It was pretty funny. Mm, no. Was it um, the, what he was chirping at him in the locker room afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. I found that pretty entertaining. Um, bah, 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 bah. See you in the bay, Aubrey, Thompson said. <laughs> Using Drake's little use, little known first real first name. See you in the Bay, Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Drake Aubrey, I find hilarious. 
I don't know what. You've been doing it for years. Calling rappers by their real name is sure. just funny. It is funny. It's enjoyable. <laughs> Looking at you, Calvin Brodus <laughs> Jr. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump and outgoing Prime Minister Theresa May have wrapped up economic talks today in London with a press conference. May emphasizing the importance of the talks and the economic future economic deals for both countries with Brexit looming. The discussions that we have had today are about the future of this most important relationship between the US and the UK. As the president described it, the greatest alliance the world has seen. Meanwhile, Trump thinks that Brexit will turn out to be a good thing for Great Britain. Yeah, I would think that it will happen and it probably should happen. This is a great, great country and it wants its own identity. It wants to have its own borders. It wants to run its own affairs. This is a very, very special place. Well, indeed, and there's no disagreeing with that. On the other hand, and this is you know one of the dangers of populism, you got the uh, the barely majority votes. Yes, uh, yes, on Brexit, and then they run all sorts of different plans up the flagpole of all right. How how are we going to do it? What's it going to look like afterward? And each and every plan has been roundly rejected. <laughs> yes. So yes. what now? Yes. That's why old Theresa May's quitting. Right. A, everybody's tired of her, and B, she's like, this is, this is, come on, this is a joke, right? This is a paradox. We must Brexit, but there is no plan we will approve. Now get to work. <laughs> yes. The House Judiciary Committee has announced a sweeping antitrust probe into the tech giants, saying they will carry out a, quote, top-to-bottom review of the market power held by giant tech platforms. That uh, came after shares of Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple fell significantly on the stock market earlier in the day on news reports that suggested federal investigators were coming after big tech for anti-competitive behavior. It'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, we're, we're seeking somebody knowledgeable and, and, and smart in both business law and tech to help us understand the questions being asked. So what companies are involved? It's going to be Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple. So Amazon is involved because there's a an opinion piece written by a lawyer sometime last year about how Amazon is clearly the definition of a monopoly that got a lot of traction in legal circles. Hmm. And then you got the Google's hold their own deal on whether or not they're a monopoly. Um, that is interesting stuff for smarter people than me to figure out, but... I mean, because in theory, on a lot of this stuff, you could, you know, you could have a competitor come along. But can you? <laughs> well, can you really? And, and market share doesn't prove a monopoly. It's the anti-competitive practices that that right. they have to look to. I mean, if ninety percent of motorcycle riders ride Harleys, that doesn't mean Harley has a, a monopoly. What's a what's a basic entry level example of anti-competitive practices? Oh, um, you forbid the chrome suppliers uh, of America to to sell chrome to anybody but you. Okay. You demand an exclusive. Right. Uh, getting back to motorcycles, for instance. And because or, you, uh, you are such a large customer, it is in their benefit to keep you happy. Yeah, right. and, and yeah. Amazon does a lot of that. Oh, right. yeah. Right. Amazon does a lot of that with a ton of different products. San Francisco supervisors are considering a proposal that would force drug addicts with serious mental illnesses into treatment. Mayor London Breed and other uh, supporters say the move is necessary to help addicts who are often homeless, suffering from a mental illness, making them a danger to themselves. So the soups are expected to consider the idea later on today. Critics are calling the measure a violation of civil rights that runs against the principles of the liberal city. 
This is worth digging into in a little more detail. It's so interesting. It's troubling. It's it's complicated. But they spent months uh, debating this deal. Finally arrived at a deal Monday. uh, And they estimate the plan will help five people. Ooh, five. I do want to talk more about that later. There are more than that, you know, in in the studios here doing this show. You have to be held on a 5150 hold. Right. You're nuts, and the cops turn you in at least eight times in a year. Whoa. Eight 5150s. That's a long year. It's a busy year. Oh. Have a new study that says China's genetically modified twin babies can now face shorter lives because of the gene manipulation that immunizes them from HIV. China introduced Lulu and Nana last November. A study by researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, that was uh, just released, shows the inactivated CCR5 gene that protects the babies from HIV is linked to much shorter life expectancy. Wow. And who knows what China's doing behind closed doors, too, that we don't know about. What? Yeah, the, the Super Soldier program is a different yeah, different yeah, beast. Yeah. But it, the They're poses, not having UC Berkeley look at that one. It poses an interesting philosophical... You know, would you be willing to trade a shorter life for one that is guaranteed to be free of debilitating diseases? Depends on a disease. I wouldn't do it for AIDS because I can avoid AIDS if I want. Right, right. Yeah, and the percentages. But but just philosophically, I think that's kind of an interesting paradigm. I hesitate to bring this up, but it has been many days uh, since I've made a reference to the unfortunate German regime of the 30s. Uh, you know who wrote about what China's doing with the shorter life, but they're experimenting and they figure it's worth it. Uh, Adolf Hitler laid it out plainly in Mein Kampf. He said, the great man, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I haven't memorized it because that would make me a strange ranger indeed. If you had memorized that would be it, troubling. I wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. His idea was that the great men of history can't be thinking twice about spending a thousand lives or a hundred thousand or a million lives. Lots of people live. Everybody dies. If you're going to get hung up on, so we produce 500 babies that die. That's nothing, historically. Nothing. If you're going to accomplish great things. And that sort of thinking, I guarantee you, is at work in China. Oh, sure. They don't care. Please. It's the cost you pay to, to do great things to advance the communist utopia. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Communist utopias were Bernie Sanders preferred to honeymoon. Lovely. <laughs> Speaking of China, it was 30 yeah. years ago today that the tanks rolled in and put an end to the, up to that point, peaceful demonstrations in Tiananmen Square. We got a CBS News report on that where one of the reporters went in there and started asking people and she ended up in jail. That's pretty interesting. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Over a six-week period, 30 years ago, hundreds of thousands of protesters flowed into Beijing from around China in their big uh, public square there, Tiananmen Square, and uh, hung out. And the military said, you got to go. And they said, we ain't going. And then it was 30 years ago today, the tanks rolled in and said, you are too. That's the long and short of it. 
And we don't know whether they killed hundreds or thousands or, or what, really. There are all sorts of estimates. Right. I don't know. Do you have one you uh, you trust? No. It's, I've, I've read a lot about it in recent weeks, and it's, it's all over the place. I think it was so big an operation that where you were, it was in the dark. They turned out all the lights. Then they had bright lights coming off a tank, so they were all just blinded as giant wow. big tanks come rolling toward you and gunshots are everywhere. Imagine the chaos that oh, would be. Oh, please. Um, uh, but I think it depended on where you were, what happened. Uh, one description I read was it was just tanks. It was just rolling tanks, and it was just crushing people. And eventually you decided, am I going to get crushed or am I going to start running? Mm-hmm. And then the people that were on the other side, it was just gunfire, gunfire, and people started dropping all around them. And it was, am I going to stand here and get shot, or am I going to start running? Right. And, uh, but it worked. It certainly worked. Mm. Uh, next and then day, they literally dragged away the bodies and hosed off the square. Yeah, I got a picture here in the New York Times from, like, I think, the next day, where it's just a clean square with a lot of tanks there, no protesters. Like, yeah. nothing to see here, move along. Yep. And that's the way it's been for the last 30 years, is they don't allow any information on that to... Uh, to flow, you can't look it up on the internet. There's, there's nothing. And they worked really hard to keep that quiet. And Elizabeth Palmer of CBS News was there with a news crew uh, this week. She didn't tell people she was with a reporter. She just said she was a tourist, I guess, so she could go around and ask people questions. This is how it went. We went back to Tiananmen Square. Still such a sensitive location that visitors have to show ID just to get in. Nowhere in this vast square is there any reminder of the events of 30 years ago. There's not a statue, not a monument, not even a tiny plaque. Those events have just been erased by the Chinese government from history. Just Just watch what happened when we showed some of the Tiananmen photos to random young Chinese passers-by. Do you recognize this picture? No. Is in which country? Minutes later, the police showed up and in the end detained and held us for six hours. The interesting part was the coppers show up. What's going on here? And immediately stick the cameras in the face of the Chinese people they're talking to and get their images. And the uh, the look on the gal, the young gal who the reporter was talking to, because oh, she somebody stops and says, excuse me, look at this picture and she has this look of sudden awareness. Oh, no. What's happening here? Why are you taking my picture? I'm not at fault here. And you can see the panic in her eyes. Because your life is ruined at that point. You're not going to climb the ladder that you were hoping you were going to climb and become successful. You've gotten on a list. Mm-hmm. And you want to really try hard to stay off those lists in right. China, apparently. Right. Uh, and so whether those uh, whether people she was asking, and we've got the full video at armstrongandgetty.com, whether the people she was asking actually don't know about the whole Tiananmen Square thing, which they might not, because as we said, that information is not easily gettable. Even if they did know, you're not going to say you know anything about it. Oh, yeah, that's when the government slaughtered all those people. Sure enough. And yeah, nobody's going to say that. Because there's just there's no advantage to it. You know, I now I'm on a really, list, and I yeah, can't I can't right. apply for this job or that job or go to this school or whatever. I find myself really wondering about that young woman. I mean, does she have a chance to clear her name? Look, I was walking. They stopped me and stuck a picture in my face. I have no. I wonder. My guess would certainly be no. They'll just again back to the people are expendable in the name of the great uh, republic. Figure I don't know. She she might be uh, she might be innocent, but she might not be. Screw her. And she ends up on a list, as you said. And she will tell her friends, keep your mouth shut. 
Don't talk to foreign reporters or whoever. Right. About things you're not supposed to talk about. Right. Yeah, she'll tell that story. I was reading this article the other day. It's an older article in the New York Times called The the Country That Failed to Fail and how the, the, the rest of the world, especially the United States, has been betting on China failing for so long. It won't last. It's going to be like the Soviet Union. They're going to collapse into their own weight. It can't keep going. We thought that 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 15, just keep going. We keep thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope it happens someday. Oh, boy. I don't know how it would. I mean, in 50 years, uh, the demographic challenges, it'll evolve. But I don't I don't know. Honestly, they're good at it. They're really good yeah. at it. And yeah. getting better with the technology. All we need is a little more control and we'll build you a paradise. I'm telling you, I'm not sure they're committed to that, though. I think that I think they just I think they just want to be rich and in charge. I don't know. Nobody really knows what the the uh, communist elites hope to do. Are they trying to create a communist utopia like Lenin and Stalin actually thought they could, or do they just want to be rich guys in control of a country well, for could, them and their family and their friends? Well, there there could be a variety of ways to answer that question, including you've got 1.3 is it 1.4 billion people. Trying to transition away from that system to anything else would probably yield an enormous amount of chaos and bloodshed. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the alternative to stability, even inst- uh, evil stability, is instability. So you got that. Plus, there is, uh, among a lot of the Chinese elite, they just think this is the best way to organize a society. You know, the, the U.S. is founded on a bunch of principles that nobody knows about anymore because they don't teach freaking civics in schools anymore. They just teach about how evil the U.S. is and, and the various sins of our history, which is certainly worthy of discussing. But the idea that that's all there is to discuss is disgusting. Um but we're founded on basic Judean, Judeo-Christian principles and the ideas of the Enlightenment and English common law, which say the individual is sovereign and that you have a right to, to the pursuit of happiness and, and property rights and to be safe in your person and your papers and your cottage and the rest of it. This is like in our DNA. And in a society like China, they don't have that. There are plenty of societies where, no, 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 no. It's all about the village. And if the village has to cut your throat and take your home, if it's good for the village, that's okay. People grow up believing that is what morality is. And so in a society organized like China, um, ideas like ours are so completely foreign, you'd have to spend generations just instilling those. Although, you know, enough people got wind of them to say, I'm going to stand in front of a tank. And that's one of the, the principles we're founded on is people yearn for freedom. It's a natural right. And as Tom Friedman has been talking about in the New York Times for years, it is a better system for getting things done. It just is way more efficient. You look at the way we do things, and God dang it, it's so frustrating. First of all, democracies are slow to start with. And then you end up with you kind of the people kind of approve a project, and then it ends up taking 20 years longer than it was supposed to and costing 50 times as much money. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in China. So I heard, I was listening to this podcast the other day with this uh professor from um, University of Pennsylvania, and he was talking about how outside my window, they've been working on this bridge for years, years, and the costs have just exploded trying to build this bridge, and they never get it done. He said, and I was in China, and uh, they decided to build a bridge, and when I went back, the bridge was up, and and I asked around, they built the bridge in two days. (sighs) 
They just decide we need a bridge. We're building the freaking bridge. Bridge is up. Right. They don't care about nothing, but right. the bridge is going to get built. Yeah. And just out from an efficiency standpoint, that's that's the way it works. Yeah. Now, sometimes the, the, there's corruption and the bridge falls over. Three Say, weeks I later. wouldn't want to drive over that. Yeah. Some Sometimes that happens, but there there certainly could be a sweet spot in between. Sure. As the whole uh, infrastructure thing in the United States, particularly in your blue states, has become so incredibly bloated and mobbed up. Well, you can't. You can't build anything. You certainly can't make good arguments for the big dig in Boston or the bullet train in California or the bridge to nowhere in Alaska or any of those things. Right. That's a terrible system. Right. Not advocating the Chinese system, of course. But yeah, label this section of the podcast, Jack advocates for communism. But that's some of the... Because ar- bridges get built faster. That's some of the arguments that they use in China to support each other and themselves look at that stupid system yeah and then after the 2008 financial collapse they really got their wind wind at their back oh so you geniuses with your you're coming here all these years telling us how to run an economy now look at you right and and we all showed up all of the western world showed up begging for money to borrow money because the the whole thing had fallen apart on phony home loans and everything else. right exactly Credit default swaps. And they were really sarcastic in those meetings, the Chinese leaders. Oh, nice system you got going there. Need some money, do you? Who can blame them? Yeah, who can blame them? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's maybe that's what we bond on, the universal love of sarcasm. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Snark is enjoyable. And I'll be dang- I mentioned this earlier, but it bears repeating that back in, you know, if you're too young or weren't politically aware or whatever, maybe you're drunk for decades uh, and, and you're newly sober. <laughs> maybe Con- you were drunk. Congratulations for uh, on your sobriety. But in, in the 80s and especially the late 80s, the, the freeing. Women of- had very big hair. Oh, boy. The freeing of peoples was happening at a fever pitch. I mean, the Soviet Union was falling apart. The Berlin Wall crumbling, uh, the Tiananmen Square thing. Democracy it, was on the march. Well, yeah, it looked like millions, million, billions of people around the world were going to taste freedom, and it was incredibly exciting. I mean, it was just, oh, my God, it was a, a feverish excitement. And then the Chinese government said, yeah, not so much, not here. And now the soon-to-be biggest economy in the world will be a communist economy. Not good. Yeah, yeah. It, it might be biggest for a while, but I don't like their long term. Of course, as you said, people have been predicting that for a long time. They failed to fail. And you keep ordering sweet and sour pork. <laughs> a delicious <laughs> child's dish. I'll never stop. Armstrong and Getty.